Good morning and Happy New Year to every single one of you. Happy New Year to Webster and Greece, Henrietta, Aranakoy, and those of you who are watching online. And what's so interesting is how we engage with the new year. I think we can kind of find ourselves in one of two groups when it comes to the beginning of a new year. You see, there, there are some of us that as we approach the new year, as we jump into the new year, are actually mourning 2019. Because 2019 was such a great year for us, full of blessings and celebrations, that we're just not ready to turn the page into a new year with, with, with a future we don't know. But yet, then there's some of us who are like, man, I am so glad 2019 is over. Because it's a year that, man, I probably want to forget. Maybe there's some lessons to learn there, but I'm kind of ready to turn the page and head into a new year with a new focus and hopefully a new future. And it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're an organization or you work for an organization or you're a family or you're an individual. This time of year, we all kind of do similar things. We, we, we kind of look at our life, we look back and we examine the past year and we ultimately make goals and resolutions and commitments for the new year to set the right pace and direction. And we thought as a leadership team, man, it would be wise for us the first Sunday of 2020 for us just to pause and, and, and really do that. To, to spend a Sunday and just to kind of declare who we are, celebrate and, and talk about the challenges we faced last year, and then really set a pace and a direction, a vision for 2020. And so this morning, I want to give you a little bit of a roadmap of what today's going to be look like. It's, it's going to be a, a little bit of a unique Sunday. We don't normally just sing two songs, but we're going to do some, some unique things. We're going to start by just kind of letting everybody know who we are as a church, our mission, our mission and how we fulfill that mission. Then we're going to look back at 2019, and we're just going to talk about some challenges we faced and some things that we can celebrate that God did through our ministry. And then we're going to look forward to the future. And what's unique about today is in the middle of my message, you're actually going to go, we're going to go live to our local campus pastor specific to that campus and talk about the specific vision tied to the campus that you attend. Uh, our campus pastors and our executive pastor is going to do that together. So it's going to be an exciting and, and fun Sunday this morning. And so let's start with this. I, I think we all have to understand, I got to understand, and us as an organization, as a church, we have to understand that you can't get to where you want to go if you don't know where you are. You, you can't get to where you're going if you really don't know where you are. That's why it's so important to, to review the past, to, to have a firm understanding of where you are so you can set a direction to get to where we believe God wants us to take, take us. And we, we, let's start that journey by just discovering who we are, by reminding ourselves who we are. Are. You see, if you're a guest here this morning, this is a great chance for you to get a little bit of a glimpse of who Northridge Church is, what we stand for, what makes our heart beat. If you're a, a regular Northridger, you, you come, this is your church home. This is a, a great refresher for you to, to understand who we are and why we exist as a church. And it really starts out of Matthew 28. Jesus has just finished his work on his earthly journey mission. He's died, he's resurrected, and he's getting ready to ascend into heaven. 
And he kind of shares his parting words with his disciples, his followers. He kind of leaves the ministry in his hands. And we call this the Great Commission. It says this in Matthew 28. It says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And this verse, tied with the greatest commandment, that we find in the Gospels, where Jesus says the greatest commandment is love your Lord, Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, are really the foundation for why we exist as a church. You see, Northridge Church's mission is, is simply stated in three words, more and better. Our desire, the reason why God has placed us here in Rochester, is we want to glorify him by making more and better disciples. We want to be a church that is passionate about reaching people far from God who don't have the hope of the gospel, and we want to bring it to them. But we also want to be a church that helps believers grow in their walk, their personal, intimate walk with Jesus Christ. That is our mission. That's why we exist. We want to keep this unique and healthy balance between reaching people and growing people closer to God. So the question is, is how do we fulfill that mission? Well, we do it through what we call a process. And the process starts with two major pillars or two major lenses that we ask anybody who calls Northridge Church home to be a part of. The first one is worship and the second is community. We ask everybody who calls Northridge Church home to be a part of our regular Sunday services where we gather and we rally and we sing songs, we open God's word and we're taught through his word to go out and bring the gospel to our city and to our area. But then we ask people to go from the row that you sit in on Sunday to be engaged in circles and relationships throughout the week where you can take the word of God and you can apply it through healthy relationships. You can take the Bible and its message and apply it to your life. You can build healthy relationships with people who are gonna hold you accountable and ultimately care for you in life's journey. And so we go from the rows on Sunday where we rally together to relationships through our community. But then the next three steps of the journey of our process kind of look different based on where we are spiritually. We ask people to be committed to growing, serving, and inviting. That you would be passionate about your walk with God, just you and God. That you would grow in the knowledge of who he is and your obedience of him. That you would use the gifts the Holy Spirit gives you to serve not just the church, but the, the, the community. And ultimately, you would invite people to Jesus, to your church, or, or to the next step in your spiritual journey. And that's, that's kind of at a high-level surface uh, who we are. We're a church that believes in more and better, and we do that through a process. Now, the question is, is in 2019, how do we do fulfilling that mission? What did 2019 look like for our church? And I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about challenges. We, you know, every year kind of presents a unique set of challenges that we kind of have to wade through, and 2019 wasn't any different. And I kind of categorized our, our challenges for 2019 into two categories. The first one is what I would call topical challenges. In 2019, we, we waded through some really heavy and difficult topics that our church has never really talked about. In a series called Fractured, we talked about racism and sexism and classism, and man, they are very divisive and very hard topics to navigate. And did we do it perfectly? By no means did we, but there were hard conversations that we had as we looked at God's word and in our community groups as we continued the conversation. 
And what we have to understand is, man, as we talk about difficult topics, in 2019, we talked about some divisive topics. We also talked about, you know, gaining ground, an initiative where we asked our church to sacrifice to take the next step in our journey. And we all know, anytime you talk about money in the church, it gets crazy and wild and hard. And there were some topical challenges. And what we, what we have to come to, to grips with is certain topics we talk about through the lens of God's word aren't meant to grow us numerically. They're actually meant to stretch us personally, to change the way we think through a biblical lens. But then the second set of challenges were what I like to call staffing challenges. This year presented a unique set of challenges with our staff. We had, as a leadership team, had to make some really difficult decisions with a couple members of our staff. And there's one thing you, you have to know. You, you probably won't know this unless you're on our staff. We have about 41 people on our church staff. And as the lead pastor, the, the staff of our church is like an extension of my family. I care and desire and love our church staff more than probably you will know. And one of the greatest burdens that I carried in 2019 was dealing with some of the issues and stuff that we had to deal with as a church staff, walking through some really difficult decisions. And when we have decisions like that, you know what it often does? Is for people who, who sit in, in our audiences, it can often create a gap. A, gr a gap of, man, you don't have all the information. And so what we would do, what we do with that gap, often is really important, it's huge. And what we ask people to do is fill that gap with trust in the leadership of our church and ask questions. One thing I love about this church and our leadership is we are an open book. If you've got questions, you can email us and you can sit down with us and we can talk about them. But 2019 wasn't a bed of roses. We saw some challenges that we do every single year. But then we also saw God do some amazing things. Some things in 2019 that we can celebrate and say, man, God, you showed up and you showed off. And I wanna walk you through some of those. Some of the wins for our organization. The first one is a big picture win. Because we made the first step of, of, of taking our portable campus in Webster to become a permanent fixture in its community. We purchased a building at 780 Salt Road for our Webster campus, and we're in the process of renovating that right now to be a beacon of hope in the Webster community. And the way we were able to do that is through the sacrifice of our church, the people of our church, rallying together and saying, we wanna bring the gospel to this area, and this is the next step in that journey. And every month from here until that building is finished, we're gonna continue to give you updates on the progress of that facility. And I wanna speak to our Webster campus really quickly. Man, if you're, you go to our Webster campus, I wanna challenge you, don't wait until that building is uh, finished to go crazy. Let's go crazy now, let's build buzz now for what God can do through that facility. And so that was a huge step, a giant step of faith in the life of our church. But we didn't just see organizational steps, we saw a lot of individual steps. We saw, a lot, we saw a lot of stories being changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ through your impact and your service and your love and your smiles here at Northridge Church over four campuses in an online community. I want to walk you through some numbers here, some numbers of individuals who have taken steps to follow God, to say yes to God. At our open baptism, which was a couple months ago, we saw 80 people. 
80 people in one Sunday say, I, I need to get baptized. I need to walk in faith through open baptism. As our, at our stu- student baptism in June, we saw 14 students say, hey, I, I know I'm a teenager, but I can follow God and I'm ready to go public with my faith. We saw 132 people attend a starting point group in 2019. That's people who have questions about faith. They're searching for hope and they, had their, they were able to ask their questions. 32% of our church comes from, and they don't have a, pr- a previous church background when they came to Northridge Church. Just a couple weeks ago, we saw 90 people raise their hand to say yes to Jesus on Christmas Eve. Our group's ministry crushed it this year. People experienced biblical community. We had the highest average weekly group's attendance of all time. We had the highest number of participants in groups of all time. We saw, listen to this, 284 new people start a group this year. We had 42 new leaders jump into uh, group leadership and 60 prospective leaders indicate interest in leading a group this fall. Our Beyond Ministry, where we love our community and we love the world, we sponsor 270 kids in Honduras in the name of Jesus. We've transformed a village in Mara Mara over the years with the power of the gospel. Something we started in 2019 called Care Portal where we asked people to love, we partnered up with our local government to love on people in the foster care. We had 50 people sign up to meet families' needs in crisis. And in just a couple weeks, we served eight families, including 16 children with an economic impact of $7,000. And if you count up beyond in the years, we have invested in our community and in the world close to $1.7 million. Can we just say, yeah, God? I need to catch my breath. And you know know what's interesting is maybe you're like me because I'm not a numbers guy. I'm really not. I can look at a spreadsheet full of data and it just doesn't move me. And so if I were you sitting in, in, in one of the chairs at one of our auditoriums, I, probably those numbers, I would have been like, oh, that's cool, and it went in one, in one ear and out the other. And, and maybe you are an analytical person, and those numbers, man, they excite you. Get excited about those numbers. They're worth getting excited about. But for me, what moves me is a story, is to see the tangible change in people's lives through the power of our ministry in the gospel of Jesus Christ, And today, I want to share a story of life change with you that happened in 2019, but in 2020, as we begin our ministry year, this person's going public with their faith to say Jesus is the leader and forgiver of their life. And so, check this story out. Growing up, we only went to church on Christmas and Easter. I knew of Christ, but didn't have a relationship with him. It was my parents' religion. It really wasn't mine. My husband and I met when I was 20, and we got married two years later, and we tried to have a baby. We tried for over a year, and we were unsuccessful in doing that. It turned out that my husband was an alcoholic and was drinking a lot more than he had let on and that was causing me not to get pregnant. Three months after he got sober, we got pregnant. In October of 2018, me, my daughter, and my mother went to visit my grandmother. She was very ill, so we basically went to say our goodbyes to her. My husband had stayed back home. When we returned the next day, I found a text message 
from a girl on my husband's phone. I kept asking him who this girl was, why she was sending him messages. He kept denying that it was anything. I really didn't believe him. And uh, I was crying and I was very upset. And Carl had come into the room yelling at me, saying he was doing everything that he could to be the very best husband that he could be. And I said that he was being the worst husband. And he slapped me across the face. And instead of calling the police that day, I just decided to let him stay at home on the couch so that I could take his phone and call that girl. And I did, and she admitted to the entire affair that they had. And Carl left that day, and I did call the police. I got a restraining order. I got an order of protection. I changed the locks. I had no intentions of ever trying to repair our marriage after that point. In the beginning of November, my husband's friend Scott Musica and Nicole Musica, his wife, invited me to Northridge Church and I decided to take them up on that offer because I had never felt so lost and so alone in my situation. And I remember walking into Northridge Church, just, it was such a big auditorium and it was overwhelming, but I felt so safe and I felt like a security blanket was wrapped around me. And I really felt that no matter what from that point on, I was gonna be okay and that I wasn't alone anymore. And shortly thereafter, my father called me and said that he was very, very sick and that his wife didn't want to take care of him anymore and he needed a place to live. And so I had him come live with me and I brought him to Northridge Church and it was something that we did together every Sunday. And during one of those Sundays, I accepted Christ as my savior. And from that day forward, being able to be with my dad and taking care of him and the relationship that I'd built with him, we were Christ followers together. We met Pastor Andy, uh, who I had talked to about my relationship with my husband and everything that had happened. I had just become a Christian and I really didn't know what I should do from here. And he gave me some books to read and spent some time with me and really helped uh, me get to a good place. My dad uh, did eventually pass away on January 3rd, 2019, um, but I was okay. Even um, after losing my dad and my marriage being in shambles, no matter what my circumstances are, I will always trust him. Today I'm getting baptized to say publicly that I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, the leader of my life, and the forgiver of my sins. Jen, you've been through a lot this year, but you've done it with your new faith in Christ. And it's been a, a great encouragement to me. It's been a great encouragement to our community group and many other people. And it's a, a privilege at this time to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Up when I was younger, so I, I just kind of raised myself. I got into you know selling drugs and doing drugs real young, you know, as a way to kind of maybe cope with that. Yeah, my, my grandma tried to bring me to church, but I was like a, a Christmas Catholic. I did the Christmas and Easter thing, and but as soon as I left, like I was like, I'm glad I'm out of here now. I just kind of ran from it. I spent most of my life running from God. When I was 18, I was hit by a car. The car came within inches of killing me. And that was kind of one of my my first God moments when I realized that you know like I am not God. You know, and that uh, there is a God out there and that God saved me for whatever reason. Shortly after that, I ended up getting incarcerated. And, uh, you know, like, like many people, I found God in prison. It was just a way to cope with the everyday struggles of life. You're just kind of fending for yourself and it's good to have a feeling like somebody's there, but, you know, just like was often the case when I got out, 
of trouble. I said, thanks God for the ride, but I'll take over from here. I've always been in and out of jobs. I've always just, everything's kind of just revolved around drugs and alcohol. I had this sense of spirituality. Like I, I knew of a, of a God of creation. I knew of a God of the universe. What I always found was that I just had that foxhole or that 911 God. You know, I only relied on in time of emergency, but when things went well, it was me doing it, not him. Jen and I, we just kind of jumped right into it. You know, we, we got married two years later. Then after that, another God token came to me, by the way, of my, my miracle baby, Mackenzie May Growth. My grandmother passed away. I kind of used that as, a, as an excuse and kind of went back to the hating God kind of thing. And I started getting back into drinking. And then I started getting back into drugs. I ended up cheating on my wife. When confronted about it, you know, I, I lied, as I do. Things got physical and things got out of hand. She kicked me out. And she filed a restraining order for me. Yeah, I was, I was again, I was, I was homeless. I was living out of my car. Then I ended up, you know, hanging out with prostitutes and drug dealers, and that's how I made my money. At that point in time, I just started putting my wife and kid on the back burner. You know, I, I went for immediate satisfaction. You know, and I found that only through drugs. My wife was fighting for child custody, and you know talking divorce if we ever talked at all her dad moved in and he was dying of cancer and that made it worse and I just I just drove harder I just got higher and started paying less attention to bills less attention to my health less attention to Jen and Kenzie whenever I would get supervised visits I was bankrupt spiritually I was bankrupt emotionally I didn't know what else to do and I ended up getting essentially mental health arrested kind of just turning myself in at Rochester General and going into the psych ward there and Jen started calling me again just because she wanted to make sure I was all right, which I, I was confused about. I didn't think she wanted anything to do with me. And like, here she was, she wants to see if I'm all right. It gave a guy a little bit of a glimmer of hope. My friend Scott, he kept trying to get me to, you know, when I got out, when you get out, come to Northridge with me, come to Northridge with me. I'm like, I, I want nothing to do with your Northridge. He's like, at least listen to K-Love. I'm like, I don't want to listen to your K-Love. I don't want to go to your Northridge. I don't want to drink any of the Kool-Aid, any of that. They, they kept trying to get me to go to the Salvation Army, you know, and I'm like, I, you know, I don't want any of this God stuff. It's not what I want. Like, I tried a couple different rehabs and like, they wouldn't take me. And so really like, God's plan was for me to go to this specific place because everything else got taken from me. I had to go to the Salvation Army. I, they accepted me to one other place and I ended up getting kicked out of there for my bad attitude. And they called John, hey John, listen, like, gonna be homeless here like I'm okay with that I just would like you to watch my stuff like she was uh concerned about me being homeless you know but then here I am I'm facing homelessness which again I'm okay with and she's not and she's like let me help Carl she's now forgiven me for this stuff that I've done and she's let me help Carl and she takes me to their house you know I sleep in the basement she lets me play with my daughter at the park I'm running and chasing my daughter and like everybody's laughing and like it was just it was amazing it was one of the most beautiful moments of my life. Matter of fact, that Sunday I came to Northridge Church, you know, but I was so pumped up and on this emotional high from being able to spend this time with this woman who I thought I'd never see again and this child that I never thought I'd see again or hold again. And I'm just writing that out. I'm like, yeah, I'll go to church. You know, I would have never said that. I don't know what made me say that, but yeah, I'm gonna go to church. We sat down next to Scott and his wife, Nicole, and. Jen actually, she locked arms with me because I, I was like, I was shaking. I mean, I'm, I'm still, you know, still cleaning up and I'm shaking and I'm like, I'm bawling tears, like this music's playing. And like, I had to ask Jesus to forgive me and learn that he died 
so that I may live. He forgave my sins. You know, he died, he rose again so that I may live forever. And I ask forgiveness. And I ask Christ to take over. And since that day, he's taken over. So much has changed. It's beyond my control. I don't have the strength, the ability, the willpower, the desire, the, the anything to be able to do the miracles that have, that have been accomplished in my life up until that point and since that point. As my husband Carl was battling addiction through my relationship with Christ, I was able to forgive him. He actually came to church with us. And when he first came in there, he was very nervous. He was shaking a lot, so I just kind of grabbed his arm and I held him super tight because I knew that this was the best place for him. And then after that, I dropped him off at the Salvation Army where he was going to spend um, at least six months in an inpatient rehab program. He left me with his phone um, and said, don't get mad for anything that you see in here. Um, and I did, I looked through that phone and I was devastated by a lot of the things that I saw in there. Um, and I chose to have the same faith in Christ and just know that that was the past and that we can go forward from here. We were gonna walk with Christ together, uh, but no matter what, I had faith that this was God's plan for us both. Following Jesus Christ is awesome. You know, because not only am I never physically alone anymore, but I'm not spiritually alone anymore. And I realized that I never was. You know, all those God tokens and all those God moments all have a reason. And, you know, I honestly, I look forward to every Sunday between Northridge Church and then my church community group afterwards. Like, it, it just fuels me for the rest of the week. We go to marriage counseling with, with Andy, who's helping us through the little intricacies, you know, that we still have to work on. We just dedicated our child, Mackenzie, beginning of December and we're all in you know and to be able to raise Kenzie with these morals and values and, and this loving home that I was never provided just the journey we're on and the journey ahead is just incredible and that really through God all things are possible and that he was really able to restore our marriage what we thought was irreparable so today, I'm getting baptized to say publicly that Jesus Christ is the leader of my life and the forgiver of my sins. Carl, Carl, I think 2019 is a year you're never gonna forget. And uh, every rescue story of God reaching down and rescuing a man or a woman and saving their soul is a great rescue story. But thank you for sharing yours, and God's brought you through some amazing things. And um, it's been amazing to watch you and Jen take that journey together. And I, I so look forward to seeing you continue to grow in your faith and you and in your marriage and you and Jen together. So I'm very thankful that she's standing here with you and uh, you guys are on this journey together and that you guys are in our community group. Amen. So uh, <laughs> it's my privilege to baptize you, my brother in Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Man, what a beautiful story. <laughs> and ultimately, when you, when you listen to their words, you realize why we exist as a church, for stories like that. Where there seems to be no hope, God intervenes. God comes through, and he changes people's stories. And, you know, it, it, when we look at numbers from a past year, 2019, it's easy just to let those numbers not really seep in, but what we have to come back to is every number represents a story. Every number represents somebody's lives being changed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the one thing you have to know about Northridge Church is we're not here to have fancy buildings. We're not here to have cool lights or cool videos. We're here to impact people's stories with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I'm telling you right now, the only thing that was capable of changing Carl and Jennifer's story wasn't a message I preached or a song we sing. It was only God. And he came through in a big way and he brought hope. And we are here today to celebrate the numbers of 2019 because they represent people's lives. Changes in people's lives. And so as we look forward to a new year, we, we, we look forward to God continuing that journey of changing other people's lives who aren't here yet. Or maybe it's your life or your marriage that needs something in 2020 that we're hoping and praying that God would use us in 2020 to begin that journey. And so as we look to a new year, I want to cast a little vision. And the way I did this was I wrestled through three questions that I really want to bring clarity to our church in. The first one is this, how do we fulfill our mission this year? How do we fulfill our mission this year? This is really the most important and significant question that I'm gonna answer today because if we truly believe in more and better, if, if we're bought in, like Carl said, I'm all in. If we truly believe in the mission God has given us, why we exist as a church, this should be a question we ask every single year. How are we gonna do, how are we gonna fulfill what God has called us to? And I wanna give you two answers to this question that tie with both parts of that balance of our ministry of more and better. Let's start with more. I think if we're going to fulfill our, our, our mission this year, that we need to fuel our passion for people far from God. We need to put gasoline in the tank for the people that we interact with on a regular basis, in our offices, at our workplaces, in our schools, and with the teachers and, and the coaches that our kids have, in, in the coffee shops, wherever God takes us, we need to pour some gasoline in our hearts. We need to light a fire for the people that don't know Jesus, that are far from God, and our job is to bring them that hope. And I think this year we need to put that fuel in that tank. Think about Carl's story. What's the one thing in Carl's and Jennifer's story? There was a man named Scott. Scott just kept saying, would you come see what God's doing in the life of my church? He was persistent. Their family was persistent. And that persistence had a huge impact in their story. Let me, let me tell you a, a stat at Northridge Church. We do a survey every year. And, and, and our surveys show this, that 83% of any guest that walks into any of our auditoriums you don't know how, why they come. They don't come because they drive past our building and says, wow, that looks like a cool place. They don't come because there's a mailer in their mailbox. No, they throw those things away. They're like, get out of here. They come because someone loves them enough to say, hey, would you, would you come see what God's doing at my church? Would you come experience Jesus? I, I know he can help and, and intervene in, in hopeless situations. It's people willing to say, hey, I'm fired up about seeing our city changed, our area changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the way we have done that 
It is through what we call pi squared. If you're a guest, this sounds kind of weird, but it's simply P double I. And here's what we ask everybody at Northridge Church who calls this church their home to live out on the regular every single day that we would begin our days by praying. Praying that God would give us opportunities to, to just meet people where they're at. Pray, pray for opportunities in our offices and in our neighborhoods and in our schools and in our towns and at our coffee shops and in our restaurants. That God would provide opportunities for us to invest in people. To invest in relationships with our coworkers. To invest in relationships with our family members. Ultimately, so we can invite them to Jesus Christ. Invite them to the message of the gospel. Invite them to the hope that Jesus brings in their lives. Invite them to what God's doing in their church. And man, I think if we want to fulfill our mission, part of that journey is we got to pour some fuel, some gasoline in our hearts that we get serious about the people far from God in, in our sphere of influence. Can I tell you, there are a lot of stories in the greater Rochester area, like Carl and Jennifer's, people who think there is no hope, and God is waiting on you to bring them that hope. And the question is, is will we pour gasoline on that fire? But secondly, so that's more, let's talk about the better. I think to fulfill our mission, I think we have to get better at better. Part of our mission is growing closer to God, and, and I will take some of the blame for this, is because something you have to know about me as your lead pastor is I think people have natural bends when it comes to more and better, and my natural bend, the way God made me, and he, he put this in my DNA, is I, am, I, I lean naturally towards more. I do. I love seeing people far from God experience the hope and the grace of Jesus Christ. It's something that fires me up greater than nothing else. And, and so in that natural bend, I have to, as a leader, put more resources into a, a, the different category of better. And here's what we're going to do this year when it comes to better. The first part is we're going to define what that is. Because, you know, we talk about, hey, growing better, becoming a better disciple of Jesus Christ. And, and probably for many of us, we have a, a lot of different definitions of what that means. So let's put some, some words to it. What is better at Northridge Church? Becoming a better disciple of Jesus Christ. Well, here, we believe better is the pursuit Keyword, the pursuit of greater knowledge and increasing obedience. You see, better, becoming a better disciple of Jesus Christ. If you're a Christ follower and you want to walk and you want to become a better disciple, it's really this recipe of two ingredients. It's, it's knowing God. It's, it's beginning to discover who God is, gaining access to the knowledge of God through his revelation called the Bible, getting to know God. But if that's just my recipe for better, all I become is the spiritually obese Christian. But I have to take that knowledge that God has given me and I have to apply it to my life. I have to increase in my obedience, increase in my submission, increase in my surrender to God. So not only do I know him, but I begin to look more like him each and every day. Look what the Bible says. It actually says this in 1 Kings chapter 8. It says, and may your hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God. So what does it mean to be fully committed to God? It says to live by his decrees. To live by them, you have to know them and obey his commands. And so better for our church is us pursuing as Christians knowledge and obedience of God. But how do we get there? How do we get to be better? And I, I think we have to understand and be reminded that better is a destination for all of us, but it looks different for each individual. I would suggest that if you're here at Northridge Church and you've been following God for 10, 20, 30, 50 years, 
probably the part of that recipe of better for you is not growing in your knowledge of God. I would suggest it's probably growing in your increased obedience of the knowledge you already have. It's, it's knowing what God has said to you, what he's commanded of you, and actually living that out for people to see. But I would also suggest if you're here at Northridge and you're new to faith, you know, maybe you said yes to Jesus at Christmas Eve and this is your first Sunday back, or maybe you've been walking with God for six months to a year, I would suggest the part of that recipe you need to really dive into is the knowledge of God. You need to spend time in his word. In fact, you need to find one of those, those people who've been following God for 10, 20, 30, 40 years and say, hey, will you pour into me so I can know who God is so I can live like him? And better is a destination for all of us. And based on the season we are in, it looks different based on the knowledge or the obedience that we need to live out. And here's some things that we're doing as a church to help in this, in this part of our mission. The first thing is we're going to pour a lot of energy into our podcast. You, you might not know this. We've experimented with a podcast for about six months, I would say, maybe not even that long this last year. A podcast where we begin to kind of debrief and, and talk about uh, the, the sermon topics at a deeper level, how we can apply it, things that, that are, uh, we, we just have this conversation about the topics. And it's interesting, we've tried to kind of make it around the commute drive. So it's around 20 to 25 minutes. So you can jump in your car, go to work, you can drop your kids off at school, and you can listen to this podcast that will grow you in knowledge and obedience to who God is. And so we're going to be pouring a lot of energy into that. And one of the part of the podcast that we really want to grow is audience participation. In fact, if you listen to this message today and you have questions or you're a skeptic, we would love for you to actually email us and let us know your thoughts at podcast at northridgerochester.com. And this next week, we will actually talk about the things that you send us in. So we're gonna put some energy in our podcast. We're also gonna continue in our equip classes and emails. These are just ways for you to grow in your knowledge of God. We have classes that teach you all about the Bible, teach you how to read the Bible, things in our culture, parenting. We also send out an email. If you wanna be a part of the email, you gotta just check the box on your connection card that says equip email. And guess what? You can get, we can give you resources on the regular of how to parent in a godly way or how to dig deep into scripture, all the ways where you can grow in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Also, our Beyond initiatives. I don't think we think about this as, as growing be as a better disciple, but if you have a chance to go to northridgebeyond.com, man, our Beyond ministry is amazing. Our outreach director, Josh Horn, leads it. He does an incredible job, and it's a way for our church to love on our local community and the world, to take steps of obedience to things that God has called us to, to live them out. I'd encourage you to check it out. So first question, how do we fulfill our mission this year? Well, we get passionate about people far from God and we get better at better. Secondly, what does multi-site expansion look like? What does it look like for our church to continue to expand as a multi-site church? If you're a guest with us, the one thing that's I think so amazing through technology is right now, we have audiences in four different locations. Five, if you count our online community. People all over the place are zooming in and listening right now. We, have, uh, we are one church in multiple locations. It's absolutely amazing. But what does it look like as we continue to dream and hope for, for our church to, to gain more influence in, in our area, in our region? And I want to talk about how we expand. Two ways. The first one is kind of new to Northridge. It's what we call portable to permanent. Portable to permanent. We're actually in the process of this right now, taking our Webster campus, which currently meets in a school, and we're making it a permanent fixture in the community at 780 Salt Road. 
And and one way we're going to continue to expand our ministry is as our campuses grow, we don't know the timeline of this, but as our campuses continue to grow, we're going to continue to look for ways that we can take those campuses that are portable and making them permanent fixtures in the community, permanent fixtures of hope inside the community of Rochester. And then secondly, future campus launches. Future campus, how do we expand? Well, we continue to launch campuses all over the Rochester region. We have a dream of having a campus all over a 10-minute drive of all of Monroe County. And, and it's not really rocket science how we launch campuses. I'll give you a little insider information. When we get ready to launch a campus, we grow to a point where we're like, hey, we look at a map, Google. We just pull up Google, and Google runs everything just about now. Google and Amazon, it's kind of crazy. But we look at a Google map, and we look at where everybody in our church is kind of coming from, and we find pockets of about 200, 300, 400 people who are driving to a local campus that we can actually leverage them to live Pi Squared in their area, their region, and we launch a campus there so they can live Pi Squared and love on their community even better. That's how we launch campuses, and we have dreams of launching campuses in our, in our city, in Victor, in Fairport, in Canandaigua, you name it, we're dreaming of it, but as we grow, we will look to launch and have influence in more locations. Third question, what does it mean for us to pursue diversity? What does it mean for Northridge Church to pursue diversity? And I I get it, diversity is this really hot topic button in our culture today, it can be really divisive. And I really wanna bring some clarity to this word and to what we're desiring here at Northridge Church. You see, we don't wanna grow in diversity because it's, it's the cool thing or the trendy thing to do. We don't wanna grow in diversity because, man, it's what we've seen other churches do and we're just kind of following in their footsteps. You see, I think we have to come to this conclusion that the greater Rochester area is a diverse place. It's full of many different races and ethnicities and backgrounds and refugees from all over the world. And as a church, we don't wanna just have influence with a select portion of our area, but we wanna open our arms to the broader region, the the group of people who make up this great place. And so let's bring some clarity to diversity. What does that mean? You see, diversity to us as a church means we must reflect our communities. That's our goal when it comes to diversities. We want to reflect the communities that we are in. And right now, we are currently in four different communities. We have a community in Webster. We have a community in Greece, in in Henrietta, in Arondacoit. And what we don't want is, although we are one church in multiple locations, we want our locations to have a unique blend of the community that they're reaching, the community that they're in. And so we don't want our Greece campus to look like our Henrietta campus, and we don't want our Henrietta campus to look like our Webster campus, or our Webster campus to look like our Arondacoy campus. A great example of this is our Henrietta campus. You see, at Henrietta, one thing that we do at their campus specifically, and at no other campuses, is we have a ministry to the deaf community. Because we wanna be there for the deaf community, we wanna bring the gospel to the deaf community, and so we have ASL interpreters at that campus to love and care on the deaf community. And so each campus looks a little bit differently. And so we wanna reflect those communities well. But secondly, in this journey of diversity, I think we must clarify what our communities are. I think this is important. We have to clarify where we are and who we're trying to reflect. And there's just data in our church that we can't ignore anymore. 
You see, three of our four locations, according to census data, reflect their communities spot on, almost a little bit better than the community. It's Webster, it's Greece, and it's Henrietta. But if you look at data for the Arondacoit campus, sure, if you measure 14617, we do a really good job. But the truth is, is our, our campus at Arondacoit isn't in 14617, it's actually in 14621. And when you look at that data, we're missing the mark. And so we're going to make a, a small change as a church here at our Arondacoit campus. We're going to begin the process of, over the next couple months, of changing the name of this campus. We are going to go from the Arondacoit campus to our Rochester campus. And the reason why we're doing that is we've had dreams of launching a, a campus in the city. And I said at the very beginning of my message that if you want to get to where you're going, you have to understand where you are. And the reality is, is this campus is located in the city limits of Rochester. And our prayer is that God would begin to unfold and help us reach the broader context of the area we're trying to reflect. And so we believe a small change in that direction is just to simply call our campus where it's located. And we're gonna, from now on, we're going we're gonna to refer to this campus as our Rochester campus. And so as we look to 2020, here's what we need to do. We, we need to get better at better. We need to be passionate about people far from God. We, we need to realize that every number represents a story. We need to know we're going to expand in, in, in our multi-sites through future campus launches and, and through portable to permanent. And we're going to grow and, and, and we're going to define what, how we can reflect our communities and clarify those communities. And so actually what we're going to do right now is I'm going to go to our local campus pastors. I'm going to invite Scott Bixby, our executive camp campus, to come up on stage. And our campus pastors and Scott are going to talk a little bit specifically to the campus you attend, the vision that we have for them. So can you give it up for our campus pastors and Scott Bixby? Well, I just want to thank you for your investment here at the Arondacoit slash Rochester campus. God's using you. And as, as we go through the next couple months, we'll be talking through with that transition and changing that name. And you'll hear more about that as we work it through. But I just want to thank you. Thanks for being a part. You know, I loved that baptism story today. I mean, wasn't that incredible to see that story? I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of the things I loved about that story is it's so tied to this campus. I mean, that is a story that comes from this campus. That's a community group that comes from this campus. That, that's a life change that's tied directly to this campus. And God gave you a miracle. God gave you a gift in allowing all of us to see that happen tied to this campus. And so just thanks, thanks. Uh, the second thing I loved about that is it reminds us of what's in play. And the thing that's in play is people's eternal destiny, right? I mean, that's what is in play. That's in play for all of Rochester, people's eternal destiny. And uh, eternal life hangs in the balances. I'm reminded of what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6. He's writing in Galatians 6, and he gets down near the end of the book, and he's writing to some Galatian Christians. And in that book, he's getting right down near the end, and as a part of that, he says, okay, this is it. Don't miss this. This is like my last word for you. Kind of like, here it is in a nutshell. Don't miss this. And I want to read for you verses 8 through 10 of Galatians 6. Um, verse 8 says, Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And so he's kind of laying this out. This is like a farming analogy, saying people are planting seeds, and then people are harvesting seeds. And he's saying in this analogy, the harvest involves some people reaping eternal life, 
and other people reaping eternal separation from God and saying, okay, this is, this is what we're playing with here. This is what's working. Then he continues, verse 9. He says, in light of that harvest that's coming, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So he said, okay, there's a harvest coming and there's going to be some good stuff happening. But in the midst of this, some people are going to struggle. Some people are going to fall away. Some people are going to grow weary. Some people are going to want to give up. But you need to be there for them. You need to help them along and you need to help yourself along in not being weary because the harvest is there. And then verse 10, he says this to his listeners, his readers there in Galatians. He says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. He's saying, serve others, help others along. And if I just kind of boil this down for me, I'm saying, what do these three verses say? That Paul's saying, hey, here, don't miss this. This is what I want you all to hear. These three verses for me, kind of if I just boil them down, he's saying, we need to help others to find eternal life and then not give up. Find eternal life and then not give up. And you know, here at Northridge, we have all kinds of ministries, right? But you think about it, that's what they do. We have a kids' ministry happening right now. I got my kids in a kids' ministry right now. And you know what they're doing in that kids' ministry? They're helping my kids to find eternal life, and then they're helping them to not give up. I've got students in student ministry, my family. I have a couple girls who are in, in, in middle school and high school. And as a part of them living it out, what's happening for them? Uh, we're helping them as students to find eternal life and not give up. Uh, community groups. We're going to have community group leader training tonight and a big deal tied to community groups. What do community groups do? They help adults to find eternal life and not give up. Sunday morning, what do we do here? We help all sorts of people on Sunday morning all across our building to find eternal life and not give up. Uh, each week, we take and we collect connections cards from individuals. And we have first-time people that share with us their kind of their takeaway. And one of the things I love being on staff is I get to see that. I get to see what people are saying. First time here, what are they saying? And um, I've taken just a list of 10 of those from this last year for this campus, for the Arondecoit slash Rochester campus, where people say, hey, you're helping me. You've helped me on my journey to find eternal life or on my journey to not give up. And as a part of that, I just want to say thank you. So I just want to read you some of these and have you be encouraged about what God's doing and what we get to see happen here at our campus. The first is from Dee, and she writes, thank you for the hospitality. I felt so welcomed. Service was wonderful. I love the atmosphere. I'm looking forward to attending again. She said, you encouraged me. Brandon comments, great service. Definitely will come back. I felt comfortable. It, it makes me want to get back in church. I love that. I love that. Brandon, if you're here and you're back in church, we, we are so thankful that you're with us. Nicole states, it is amazing. Everything was, everyone was so welcoming and friendly. I'm looking forward to coming back next week. Jose writes, this is a beautiful place, and me and my family feel very welcomed. I have, been, I have not been to church in 20 plus years, but I can see myself bringing my family here. Welcome, Jose. Stephen comments, in a word, my first impressions, awesome. Great music, love the kids program. Sherry states, I've not been to church in years, but I really enjoyed the service. Thank you. Marissa writes, absolutely loved how welcoming everyone was and how comfortable you made my family feel. We'll be back next week. Meg comments, amazing. I be, I'm beginning a new journey with Jesus and I can't wait to see what is to come. Sarah states, I love how I was greeted 
when I first walked in the door. The message was so wonderful, I felt so welcomed and accepted. And then finally, Kimberly writes, I have not been to church in 10 plus years, and this experience has been beyond amazing and refreshing and heartfelt. Thank you so much. Well, on behalf of these 10 individuals and many more like them, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for helping people to be pointed towards eternal life, to find eternal life, and then to not give up. You're investing in something that's eternal. You're investing in something that makes an eternal difference. And when you think about that statement, you know, finding eternal life and not giving up, doesn't that sound a little bit like more and better? That's kind of Jesus' statement, more and better. We take that from the Great Commission. Now, Paul says the same thing. He says it in a different way, but we're all here helping people along, helping people to find eternal life and not give up, making more and better followers of Jesus. I don't know where it is you serve, whether that's kidsmen or student ministry, first impressions, maybe usher, greeter, you know, out, out in the, the cafe area, security, information center, student ministry, uh, maybe it's a community group type thing, uh, tech, worship. I, I don't know where it is you serve, but... As one who serves here at Northridge, thanks. Um, God gives us miracles from time to time that we get to celebrate in, and he doesn't have to do that. But, but today with Jennifer and, and with Carl's story, you know, that's a miracle. You know, Jennifer's story is a miracle. Like, it is. It is a miracle. Uh, Carl's story, that's a miracle. And, and God lets us see those things happen. And we don't deserve that, but he lets us see them happen. And it's so encouraging that we can band together, we can represent Jesus here in this community, and we can help people find eternal life and help them to not give up as we go forward. Drew's gonna come back up, but I just wanna say we're so encouraged that you're a part of what's happened here at Northridge. I can't wait to see what God's gonna do through the Irondequoit slash Rochester campus and through all of Northridge Church as we head into 2020. Thanks for being a part. You know, as we look towards a new year, 2020, you know, I think there's one thing that I want to bring us all back to. You know, we can dream as much as we want. We can cast vision as much as we want. But I think we need to be reminded, I need to be reminded, our church needs to be reminded that at the end of the day, this isn't our church. This is God's church. And we want what God wants for this church. And so we're going to issue a challenge to our church. If you call Northridge Church home, it's the year 2020. And so we kind of played with that theme a little bit. And we're asking the people of our church to commit for 20 days to pray for 20 minutes. In fact, if you grab your connections card or your, your program, this is the thing you kept your notes on. If you just kind of tilt it around, flip it around, you will see kind of that vision right on that card. You want to take this home with you. 20 days of, of prayer. There's 20 days with Bible verses listed there. And here's our challenge to, to all of us is that we would commit to 20 days for praying for 20 minutes. Maybe 20 minutes seems like a long time to you. Just do what you can. Or maybe it's, you're like, 20 minutes, that's not enough. Maybe just do what you want to do, but just run with us. 20 days where our church just gets, at the, at the end of the day, let our church be known this year in 2020, not for an amazing vision, but for being a church that's on its knees. A church that is praying to a God that we are dependent on. And we want to help you in that journey. A uh, simple way we can help you is we can send you text messages to remind you to pray that day. I get it, man. 2020, things are busy. Schedules are busy. And so, man, how, how powerful could a simple reminder be? And so here's what we're doing. I'm asking everybody who calls Northridge Church home to do this. So on the bottom of that program is a connections card. If you would just take this out right now and you would fill it out. If you call this place your home, you'd write your name down. Please write your name so we can read it. That's very important. 
so you, we can read it, write your cell phone and then just check the box. I'd like to sign up for a 2020 prayer text reminder. If you would do that as you leave our auditoriums, you can just toss that in the basket at the end of, at the exit. Man, we would love to send you a reminder to pray. But why would we wait until tomorrow? Why wouldn't we start today? Why wouldn't we just take a moment real quick for just a simple minute and say, you know what, let's pray right now. So I'd encourage you to grab maybe your spouse, a friend, a family member, the person you're sitting next to and just say, hey, let's pray together. Let's pray for our church, that God would do some incredible things through our ministry, that we would see more stories like Carl and Jennifer's through 2020. So I'm gonna give you a minute just to spend some time praying for our church. If you don't know what to pray for, start with day one on the back of that program. So I'm gonna give you that minute to pray right now. God, as we look to a new year, as we dream and as we cast vision, we recognize that without you in it, it's really a waste of time. So God, as a church, and when I say church, I mean the people of God gathering together. God, as a church, we pray that you would be at the forefront of everything that we do, that everything that we do would be covered with prayer, God, that we wouldn't just be a a church that prays for 20 days, but prayer would be a part of our DNA of who we are. Every day we would get up and we would recognize that we are solely and completely dependent on you. We recognize, God, that stories like Carl's and Jennifer's aren't changed because of what we do, the things we say, the, 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 the services that we put on, the community groups that we have. They're changed because of the gospel of Jesus Christ that you sent your one and only son to come and rescue us from our sins. And so, God, we can dream and we can hope, but we ask that you would be in our plans. We ask that you would lead and, and direct our church. And may we... If anything is said about us of 2020, God, may it say that we are a church of prayer, that we are a church that is leaning on our Savior and our God more than anything else. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, hey guys. Uh, I'm excited for the new year. And as we kind of wind down this morning, if you've got questions, man, we'd love to hear from you at all of our campuses. You can check out the next table in our lobby where you can get a chance to meet the campus pastor or volunteers who can help you in that journey. As you leave here today, grab some invite cards. Let's start that fuel and that flame for Pi Squared. Start a series next week. You kiss your mother with that mouth. It's gonna be fun and exciting, but yet practical where we can grow in our obedience to God. At all of our locations, we love you. Have a fantastic Fantastic day. We'll see you back next Sunday.